Michigan's Children proudly presents Speaking for Kids, the podcast where we explore crucial conversations impacting the lives of all Michigan children, youth, and families, especially the most vulnerable. Join us each month as we explore public policies and issues in the best interest of our kids and families. We'll bring you lawmakers and policymakers, advocates fighting for change, and the people most affected by those decisions. With our host, Matt Gillard, president and CEO of Michigan's Children, we'll invite you to become engaged, too, and show you how to take action on what matters most to you. Episodes are recorded live and shared virtually on YouTube and the audio hosting sites, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Hello, and welcome back to Speaking for Kids, the podcast for Michigan's Children, where we discuss public policy, advocacy, and issues impacting children, youth, and families here in Michigan. We're recording today's episode on February 27th, 2023. I'm Matt Gillard, your host and the president and CEO of Michigan's Children. Last month, Governor Whitmer delivered her State of the State address and outlined a number of important issues uh, regarding the lives of children and families here in Michigan. One of the big announcements that she had was her goal for universal pre-K in Michigan by the end of her second term. Uh, so that would be by the end of the four years uh, of this term that she's and that's what we're going to be talking about today. As you can imagine, this is a bold proposal that's gotten a lot of attention from advocates around um, and interested in early childhood issues here in Michigan. And we know that there's a lot of questions and thoughts about this subject. So we're very happy today to be joined by two friends of mine and two special guests. Uh, a great deal of expertise in the issue or in this area and on this issue. So today we have Don Bell, the CEO of the Early Childhood Investment Corporation, and Jeff Capazano from the national group, the Policy Equity Group, uh, both here to talk about pre-K. Let them introduce themselves, and then we'll get into the conversation. Don, why don't you start? Hi, Matt. Thanks for the invitation to join you today. Uh, I'm Don Bell, the CEO of the Early Childhood Investment Corporation, and we really are your statewide partner on all things early childhood. Our vision is simple and powerful, that all young children and their families in Michigan thrive. And we're looking forward to today's conversation. Jeff, go ahead. How about you introduce yourself as well? Sounds great. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Don. I'm Jeff Cabazano. I'm president of the Policy Equity Group. It's an early childhood consultancy in Washington, D.C. Uh, our work is to elevate the voices of socially conscious organizations by helping them with, with their policy and their communications, uh, doing a lot of work in Michigan right now and uh, across the country on helping states figure out their early childhood systems and pre-K is obviously a big part of that. So I'm looking forward to the conversation. Well, thank you both for joining us today. So let's get right into it. So as Jeff said, uh, you know, pre-K is a big part of the early childhood world. We know that. We've uh, We've had a very robust publicly funded state pre-K program here in mm -hmm. Michigan for many years uh, and even saw some big expansion of that program under the previous administration, under the Snyder administration. Um, but Governor Whitmer's proposal certainly takes that to a whole new level. Uh, and mm -hmm. This idea of universal pre-K in Michigan by the end of this four-year term um, is something that's obviously on a lot of people's minds right now. So let's get right into it. Um, Dawn, from your standpoint, what do you think people should know or think about as we mark, as we embark down this idea or as we, we start uh, really to think about this issue and movement towards a universal pre-K system here in Michigan? Mm -hmm. Thanks, Matt. So at the Early Childhood Investment Corporation, we're focused on three priorities as the plan for universal pre-K moves forward. The first is that any expansion of preschool center the families with highest needs first before we expand to higher income families. We're really uh, encouraged 
that the governor's uh, executive budget proposal included funding to help existing GSRP, Great Start Readiness Program, I don't know if we spelled it out, uh, preschool uh, classrooms maybe expand to be full week, expand to Friday offerings, expand to full workday, and even expand beyond 30 weeks to summer programming. Uh, the second priority is that the expansion of preschool have no negative impact on the private childcare market, which serves children zero to five, and then also offers um, after school and summer programming for children up to age 12. And then the third is that we are continuing to amplify the urgent need for greater investment and resources for the zero to five workforce, including funding for adequate compensation and inclusive recruitment. Yeah, that's great. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot there and there's a lot of, um, you know, the governor, We I, I mentioned in the intro, the governor's state of the state address. Well, then obviously following that just a couple of weeks ago was her presentation of her budget proposal for, for the state budget for the next fiscal year. Um, and she, you know, unveiled some, some plans that related to this universal pre-K, uh, but addressing some of those issues that you just highlighted as well. And I think Michigan's Children really shares those same goals uh, of ECIC and making sure that whatever we're doing around early childhood, that it's focused on those areas. So, so Jeff, from your perspective and, and, you know, having the, the bonus, the added bonus, I guess, of seeing some of this play out in other States as well, what should we specifically be uh, thinking about or looking at here in Michigan? As we move in this direction. Definitely. So I think, you know, just thinking about universal pre-K sort of in general, I think there are a lot of sort of benefits to it, right? So I think, you know, what we find sort of nationally in the research is that, um, you know, it can have a really strong positive effect on the school readiness of children. So between like their math scores, uh, cognitive literacy, and I think even sort of the MSU study that just came out in January showed a lot of positive impacts of um of GSRP on school readiness. And so, you know, just kind of thinking about sort of it from that perspective, I think this is a really positive development for, for Michigan, the fact that we want to get more, more kids into the GSRP program. And to Dawn's point, I think where we see the most positive effects of, of pre-K sort of nationally is, is with the most disadvantaged kids. And so this is a way to sort of sort of uh, help with the school readiness gaps that we see um, with with low income children in particular. I think you know some of the things you want to watch out for, and I think Don mentioned this too, is that you know focusing on four year olds is just one year of age in an early childhood system that goes from birth to age twelve, and so you have to think about what impact universal pre-K might have on other parts of the system. So if you're thinking about publicly funding all four-year-olds, you know, what does that mean for the supply of infant and toddler care? What does it mean for community-based providers who are potentially trying to access this funding that might not be able to because they don't have the credentials to meet uh, the GSRP requirements? So lots of things to think about as, as we move forward. And I think, you know, if we're intentional about it in Michigan, I think it can serve sort of um, great benefit to the state. Yeah, no, I, I, you're right. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversations, even with folks in the governor's office and the governor's team, and they seem at least, you know, they're telling us that they want to make sure that we're thoughtful in this and that we're doing this in a way that doesn't, doesn't uh, hurt either, you know, younger kids or the system that's, that's focused on younger kids or, um, you know, community-based providers. Uh, we, you know, we have an interesting, so in my mind, there's really two big pitfalls here, two big things that we have to watch for. We have this, this um, dynamic of we have community-based providers and school-based providers up the GSRP program. And how can we do this expansion so that we're not hurting the community-based providers? We provide also childcare services as well. 
Uh, and we've addressed this or had this issue when we expanded GSRP funding in the past as well. Obviously, doing that much greater here with the universal system would have those same issues. Um, so let's talk a little bit specifically about that, and then we'll get into kind of the other issues about focusing our resources on, on the families that need the most help versus a universal approach. But let's talk about community-based providers. What specifically could we do or should we be looking to do an implementation here so that we are, um, you know, we're supporting uh, community-based providers of childcare and GSRP in this process? You want me to go first? Sure. Yeah, so, sure. so I, I mean, I, I would say a couple of things. One is obviously you need to sort of, um, you know, continue with the mixed delivery approach that Michigan has, right? So you've got a requirement that 30% of the GSRP slots currently go to community-based providers that needs to continue. This cannot be a school-based programs. So that I think that's the first point. I think, you know, we need to recognize that when you're thinking about community-based providers, you know, it's really the four-year-olds where they're making their money. These are businesses, right? And, um, you know, they're serving, um, you know, some are serving infants and toddlers with a ratio of one to four with a group size of 12 in Michigan. You can't make a lot of money um, off of, of a classroom that's small. So they're making their money um, you know, from the four-year-olds. And so we need to be thinking about both how do we make sure that any um, GS, like expansion of GSRP isn't pulling those four-year-olds out of the current programs where they're making their money. And also you need to think about what are you doing for the infants and toddlers in terms of making sure that you're paying the true cost of care for those providers for kids, um, you know, for programs that are serving birth to three. Uh, you know, there was a podcast um, on NPR that talked about, you know, infants and toddlers being a lost leader in like the early childhood market. So it's like, you know, this is a way for, you know, parents to get introduced to the programs. Programs tend to lose money on the infants and toddlers, but they, the, the goal is to make that up like when they're serving four-year-olds. Clearly, you know, there's, they, they barely make a profit if at all now, but yeah, we have to be thinking about how to, how to support sort of infant and toddler care and make sure that we're adequately and heavily subsidizing it for, for families in Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll give a plug to your group. I saw your group put out a great blog on this specific issue in more detail. If people want to look that up. I think you put that blog out on Friday, right? Uh, specifically about uh, the, the impact, the potential impact of a universal pre-K on infant and toddler care and doing it right. Um, Don, what are your thoughts about the same issue? I know, obviously, you guys are working closely with a lot of the community-based providers, and, and we know, you and I have both heard, there's a lot of concern and, and angst out there within those communities right now around how this might roll out. Mm -hmm. And I know what you meant, Jeff, but I just want to clarify. I know of no child care program in Michigan that is making money. So their uh, revenue from their four-year-old classrooms is what's uh, helping them break even. And the, so the risk that we're talking about is if they yeah. can't offer four-year-old programming, they might have to close their programs altogether. And then they can't offer programming for any age group, which is a huge risk uh, because the business model is so tight is why we're talking about um, more funding to mm -hmm. be able to offer more competitive wages for the workforce zero to five. So yes, Matt, there are many private childcare providers who are um, excited about this and concerned. And uh, I would say I was in a conversation last week, though, with leaders uh, from, uh, so if you're a school-based early childhood leader in the intermediate school district or in your local education agency, uh, I heard from several school-based leaders who are 
um, expressing concern as well and feel that they want to see more community-based providers included for the plan to move forward. Um, they are concerned that either they don't have the staffing or the facilities or that their community won't have the variety of options that will meet families' needs if they're not including perhaps even 30% as the minimum. Could be more than 30% of the private childcare market included in your community's expansion. So what will we need to do to make that happen? What are some of the barriers right now that you hear from or you see with uh, community-based providers entering the, the GSRP field? Uh, there are a bunch. I think, um, you know, the administrative requirements of GSRP is a big one, right? So if you look at the GSRP implementation manual, it's like 127 pages of, of pretty detailed sort of compliance regulations. And I think, you know, for smaller child care providers that want to be a part of this, it's really difficult for them to to sort of, you know, sort through that and, and sort of meet all of those requirements. You know, I think also, you know, the the reason that parents come to uh, community-based organizations for care is because it really meets the needs of uh, of working parents. It's like, you know, it, it's it serves, you know, parents um, you know, 40 hours a week, five five days a week. And looking at the GSRP program right now, it really doesn't meet the needs of, of working parents. It's a part day, part week, part year program. And so I think that's another big barrier. And I think, you know, honestly, the, the child care programs are going to struggle with the teacher credentials and trying to sort of, you know, meet the requirements of, of GSRP around around the teachers. And so those are, those are three big ones that come to mind, sort of just thinking about, um, you know, how we're going to move forward with this. Any, anything additional, Dawn, that you're hearing directly from, from providers or potential providers here in Michigan? I would just say we have thousands of private child care programs in Michigan that are high quality. They are high quality and they don't currently receive GSRP grant funding. And so mm -hmm. all the things Jeff's identifying are solvable issues. Uh, we could align the quality of the existing mm -hmm. child care programs with a GSRP grant. And I know there are many, many voices around the state who are really interested in contributing to this conversation as the plan moves forward. So what do we know about getting those voices involved in this? Uh, Jeff, any updates from your end? I know the governor's talked about putting together uh, uh, you know, a group of experts or a panel around this to, to start to kind of break down some of these issues. Yeah, I think, you know, just going, thinking about sort of the way that other states have sort of gone about sort of, you know, personal pre-K, I think, you know, what determines success is the level of intentionality. Uh, that states really are thinking about this and thinking through where the teacher is going to come from, where the facility is going to come from, you know, where the kids going to come from. Are they coming from these community-based providers? How to keep them there? And I think, you know, from what I understand about sort of, you know, the way that the governor is moving forward, you know, they are going to be working on making sure that all voices are heard in this and that they're going to come up with an implementation plan. And so um, I'm pretty excited about sort of not only sort of the policy itself, but the way that they're going about thinking about implement implementing it and sort of making sure that all voices are heard and that it's fair and equitable for everyone. So looking looking forward to the, the months ahead. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for certain. I know for one, I mean, I, us for one, Michigan's children, we're certainly meeting with legislators mm -hmm. every day around this issue. Um, and I think doing a lot of education with legislators to get them to understand uh, some of these issues that we're talking about here today. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that this isn't just, a, a, you know, as simple as putting a whole bunch of money into GSRP. That's right. And great, we have universal pre-K. Um, and, you know, it's and it's interesting as well, even from a kind of big picture standpoint that we're not, I'm hearing more about from colleagues in other states and others around 
ideas around universal child care. I mean, you see the, the New Mexico governor, the same time Governor Whitmer came out with, with mm-hmm. universal care, was talking about, a, and, and Governor Hochul in New York as well, um, you know, more issues. And so I think that's one of the big concerns, obviously, we have as well is, and you both have alluded to this, is that uh, the focus on four-year-olds is fine, um, but we got to realize that we have big challenges in our child care system with, you know, infants and toddlers as well and birth through three. Um, and so, you know, like I said before, the governor's proposals um, are interesting. Her budget proposals are interesting uh, in efforts to address the workforce. Let's talk a little bit about workforce. And I know, Don, you alluded to this. So what are some of the things that we could do or we should be looking to do um, to support the workforce in early childhood in general and to maybe uh, prevent this idea or this this potential of of public GSRP expansion exacerbating workforce issues that we have in early childhood. Mm-hmm. Matt, so uh, I think it's still true that we try to ask the elected officials if they know the price of a gallon of milk right now. Do you both know what the cost of a gallon of milk is right now? I believe I paid three eighty eight at Meyer. Uh, yeah, I think it's around three ninety nine. Yeah, I'm with you, Matt. Uh, I would like for all of us, all of your listeners, to think about asking every elected official if they know what the average hourly wage of a child care worker in Michigan is right now. Let's make that as known as the price of a gallon of milk. And it's still hovering a little over $11 an hour. This is not adequate wages for the workforce, and it's not competitive, um, especially uh, during and after COVID. So most programs in Michigan, most childcare and even some preschool programs in Michigan report that they're at about 70% of their workforce. They have not recovered to the pre-COVID levels, which means they have closed classrooms, which means they're not fully enrolled, which means even more families don't have access to the care that they need. So Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about the uh, income tax credit and your ideas there? Sure, I certainly will. And, and just so you, just so everyone's aware, my 17-year-old son is working at Marshalls right now, and he's making well over $11 an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would certainly be, be supportive of an effort that would pay our child care providers much more than, than he's making. <laughs> um, yes, so one of the ways that the governor has proposed to address workforce, and we think this is a good idea. Uh, you know, it's not the panacea. It's not going to solve all the problems. But she's, she's uh, proposed a tax credit refundable tax credit for all early childhood workforce or anybody working in an early childhood program. Um, I think that the proposal that the governor has, it's, it's modeled after a, a program in Louisiana that's been successful in this regard in supporting uh, those in the early childhood workforce. Uh, I think it needs to go much further than what the governor has proposed. And we're working with legislators on that as we speak. But the idea is that we would provide a direct refundable tax credit to anybody working within the early childhood sector. Uh, this would include child care workers as well, obviously. Um, and, and the governor's proposal was up to $3,000 annually. Um, if you met certain criteria, uh, we think it could even be tripled and go three times that. Uh, I think it's hard to argue that you'll see career paths changed um, at $3,000 a year, but maybe at $9,000 a year, you may see uh, people look at all early childhood uh, avenues as career, as career paths. Moving forward. And the good thing about a state tax credit like this is it can be designed in, you know, through the legislative process uh, with criteria and, and payment structures and others that work for the people that we're trying to to make it work for. So that's one of the areas that we think is exciting in this budget proposal and, and that Michigan's children, at least, will be really focused on and working with our legislative champions to push through. 
Um, Jeff, what about your thoughts on, on the workforce issues? We know, I mean, long before Governor Whitmer proposed universal pre-K, we've had workforce issues here in Michigan um, around early childhood, and, and we're all uh, focused on them. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with both of you. I think, you know, really the core issue here is the compensation issue. I think, you know, we, until we stabilize the early childhood workforce through better compensation, you know, I've heard a bunch of states talking about their professional development programs, all the things that they're trying to do for their early childhood educators, but they do it and then they see all this massive turnover into other fields. And so all of that great professional development just goes walking out the door, right, as they go and do something else to make higher wages. So I think at the core of the workforce problem has to be sort of, you know, fixing this compensation issue. And I do like the tax credit for a number of reasons. I think, you know, thinking about tripling it makes a lot of sense because I do think that that would be a like what we're trying to do here is recruit and retain early childhood workers and $3,000 credit is probably not going to get you where you want to be in terms of that kind of stability and that re recruitment and retention. So, but I, so I agree that sort of a, a much higher credit is going to help. Also, I think with the credit, it really helps with, you know, you don't have to pay taxes on a tax credit. So I think that's a really big thing and you don't have to worry as much about um, you know, what they call benefits cliffs. So if you're going to try to increase compensation in other ways, if you increase, you know, compensation by $6,000, and then they lose $9,000 in benefits, because as Don mentioned, they're all sort of, you know, eligible for a lot of them are eligible for further social services, that doesn't that doesn't really work. So I do like the tax credit approach. And I completely agree that it needs to be uh, much bigger than what they're currently proposing to actually make a difference. Yeah, we agree. So stay tuned for that, folks. Uh, I'm certain you'll be hearing a lot more about that from Michigan's children and others as uh, as this process moves forward. You know, and I think some of the other things that were alluded to here, I think the governor has some good ideas around, around uh, you know, particularly supporting or, or attempting to support more community-based programs into to breaking down some of the, breaking through some of these barriers uh, in, you know, getting engaged on the GSRP side, um, as well as making the program. I mean, Don, you and I have talked about right now, we currently really have, you know, two groups of, of people that aren't accessing GSRP, you have those that are over income that, that the governor is trying to address or the proposal to go universal would address. But then you have those who are currently eligible, but the program doesn't work for because it's four days a week or it's a half day program or it doesn't operate in the summers and these other things. So addressing those issues first before we really you know focus on this expansion in the upper income uh, eligibilities we think is the right approach would you agree with that don absolutely matt and i think there is uh, a lot in the proposed plan and i think there are leaders across the state of michigan who also agree with this and are um, looking forward to rolling up their sleeves uh, of course, serving families with highest need um, is going to take some work, but we all agree that that has to be the, the top priority. And, and, and really supporting those families at, from birth, right, through kindergarten entry, uh, I think needs to be the focus. And, and so uh, we really have to make sure that, that everybody who's involved in this and the people making the decisions understand uh, the potential impacts on the child care side as well when we're talking about any sort of expansion. All right, any final thoughts from either of you uh, as we wrap this up? Obviously, I think we could talk on hour, for hours on this. I know uh, all of us have been uh, 
asked to present on these universal pre-K proposals and this idea to various groups, and we'll continue to do so. Um, there's obviously a lot of factors going into this, but we thought it was important for folks to hear uh, kind of some of the issues, uh, you know, from a maybe a, a higher level right now, uh, just to kind of frame the conversation. And this will be certainly uh, on top of top of mind here for early childhood advocates as we move through the budget process and, and as this works its way through the legislature. Any other final thoughts from either of you? You know, I would just say that I'm encouraged. I think, you know, we are moving in the right direction. So I, there's a long way to go for sure. But I think the fact that, you know, the governor is thinking about universal pre-K in addition to all of these other supports uh, that she's proposing, you know, is, is, is the right direction, at least, I would say. And as we move forward, I think, you know, to, to really sort of build on that is going to be something that, you know, could be, I mean, Michigan could become a model for the nation on this if we do this right. So that's, it's, it's very exciting. That's optimistic, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks again for the invitation, Matt. We're uh, we're really excited to see early childhood as a focus for Michigan. And there is so much opportunity. Again, zero to five, there's so much opportunity. So we wanna thank everyone for their advocacy on behalf of families with young children and on behalf of the early childhood workforce. And I mean, inclusive of everyone in a childcare program, everyone in a preschool program, everyone in an early childhood setting. Uh, if people are really fired up about this and they'd like to learn more, they can join for free, they can join the Think Babies Michigan Coalition and they can go to ECIC4Kids, that's the number four, ECIC4Kids.org to learn more. Well, thank you both, Don and Jeff, for being here today. If you'd like to share a link to today's podcast, please look for one and other resources on our michiganschildren.org website under the resource and speaking for kids podcast site. Um, as Dawn said, there'll be lots more to come on this issue and we'll certainly be following it closely at Michigan's children and updating our networks on where things stand and how you can get engaged and, and, and get your voices heard on these important topics. We'll be back next month for another crucial conversation about issues impacting children and families here in Michigan. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Speaking for Kids, the podcast for Michigan's children with host Matt Gillard. Thanks for joining us. To explore these and other issues relevant to our state's children, youth, and families, and to build your advocacy muscle, go to our website at www.michiganschildren.org. You'll find links and news about past and future podcast topics under our resource tab and action alerts under the Take Action tab. Find and like us on Facebook and Twitter. Terry Bannis and Stephen Wallace produced this podcast. Contact them with your questions and ideas for other topics. Michigan's Children is a nonprofit advocacy organization, an independent voice working to reduce disparities in child outcomes from cradle to career through policy change.